Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Yeah, hello, and welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing, the place where I show people how to escape the rat race using real estate. Hope you had a very Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a very safe New Year. And I've got a great show for you today, and I've got a great announcement to make as well. January 17th, it's coming up. January 17th, the Epic Real Estate Investing team and myself will be in San Francisco for one of our Grub and Grow Rich events. You can go to grubandgrowrich.com to reserve a spot. Ticket includes all you can eat, all you can drink, and all the real estate questions you can ask. I'll give a short workshop on how to mitigate risk from your real estate investing. And then after that, it's open forum. Ask me anything. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about real estate related. Or we can even just sit there and kind of talk about how good the chicken wings are. It's up to you. And, uh, oh, you know, I actually almost forgot. This will be also be the... Uh, the premiere of the Epic Inner Circle Mastermind, which is essentially a meeting, a private meeting before the meeting. And you can find information for that at grubandgrowrich.com also. And if you happen to be a uh, Inner Circle Coaching client, both events are free for you. And if you'd like to become an Inner Circle Coaching client, I'm opening up a few more spots. I can handle a few more success stories as we've already got several in the making. I can't wait to share those with you. And uh, if you want to be next, go to Epic proCoaching.com, epicprocoaching.com, and, and take a look to see if becoming an inner circle coaching client makes sense for you. Now, that uh, actually reminds me of a question I got over this past week from one of my inner circle coaching clients, and they asked, when I meet a seller, should I tell them I'm an investor? Now, I'm choosing to answer this question because it actually comes up more often than you might think. As many new investors are a bit reluctant to disclose that they are indeed investors because I guess they think the seller might not want to do business with them because they're an investor. And, and you know what? That's true. That's absolutely true. Some might not want to do business with you. But that's no different than so many of those would rather not do business with a real estate agent either and would rather do business with you. The truth is not everybody is going to want to do business with you. However, why would they not? Well, it has nothing to do with whether or not you're an investor. It has to do really with their level of motivation more than anything. You know, a truly motivated seller doesn't care who is bailing them out of their distress, out of their situation. So just as long as someone, you know, bails them out, that's the primary point here. If the motivation is there, if you're dealing with someone that needs to sell, it doesn't matter whether you're an investor or not. Okay, that point is, you know, moot. I think that's the right word. Uh, th so that's the primary point. The secondary point is you don't want to mislead anybody. You don't want to do that. And, and you don't want to conceal any truths. No, I mean, not only is that the, the wrong thing to do, I mean, it's not the right thing to do. It's not how you should deal with people. But, and, and also, it's not only is it the wrong thing, it's typically sniffed out by the seller eventually. I mean, it's just going to come up in your, in your whole disposition. They can see right through you. Okay, they're smarter than you think they are. Well, most of them are. Or, or if so, if the, But if they don't stiff, sniff it out, it will rear its ugly head at the most inopportune time, making it even more difficult to, uh, the, the transaction even more difficult than if you had just been up front in the beginning. Okay, so just, yeah, tell them you're an investor. This is what I do. This is how I make my living. It's how I feed my family. Now, do you need to sell your house or not? That's your... That's your uh, your mannerism, your character, your disposition. I mean, here's the typical scenario. The seller asks if you're an investor. What do you say, right? 
Uh, are you an investor? And well, here's what you say. You say, yes. Do you still need to sell your house? That's it. An answer with conviction and confidence. But end your answer with another question. Don't, and, and don't assume anything. I mean, don't assume that why, the reason that they're asking. You have absolutely no idea as to why they are asking. Maybe they're hoping they are dealing with an investor because they know you're a pro and you can make this happen really fast for them. Or maybe they flat out don't like investors and they don't like the idea of you profiting on their distress. Who knows? Whatever it is, though, don't assume. You have no idea as to why they're asking. Now, the most likely follow-up question might be along the lines of, are you going to resell it? So they, they want to know, are you going to make a profit? Okay, maybe that's what you think they want to know, but they're, gonna, they're asking, are you going to resell it? Don't buckle when you get this question. Don't be apologetic about what you do. Don't be apologetic because you're going to make a profit when you do resell their property. I mean, here's how I, I found I get the best response when answering that question. Are you going to resell it? My answer is, well, I might, but, but my intention is to hold on to it. I, I won't know for sure, though, until I complete my due diligence. I, I wouldn't let that concern you, though, because if I decide not to hold on to it, I know someone that will. What would you like to have happen? Or, or some question like that. It depends on where you are in the process. But just be straight. Yeah, it's my intention to hold on to it. That's not my intent to, to resell it. But, you know, I'm not really going to know until I can look at the market and the market conditions and do a little bit more due diligence on the property. And if it fits my portfolio, you bet I'm going to hold on to it. But if I don't, if it doesn't fit my portfolio, don't worry. I got someone else that'll take it. So don't let that concern you. You still need to sell your property. So don't be apologetic about making your profit and be straight with people. I mean, remember stage one? Think like a millionaire real estate investor. Investors make profits. That's their job. And that's yours too. So on the phone, I've got one of Los Angeles's premier fix and flippers. He happens to be in my mastermind group that I mentioned last Monday, and he's becoming a very good friend of mine. I've asked him to come on the show and share a little bit about how he got started, how he lost everything in 2007, and how he got it all back, and what he's doing right now with his fix and flip business. And he's here also to share the little shifts that he's making for the new year. He sees the market evolving in a certain way, so he's going to evolve his business. He's going to share that with you. He's got some really good ideas on on finding good deals in the new year, and we're going to talk to him in 30 seconds right after this. Does your money work for you as hard as you do for it? If not, no worries. You do not have a money problem. You merely have an idea problem. We're CashflowSavvy.com and we'd like to share a new idea with you around income real estate that can transform your financial future and accelerate its arrival. Go to CashflowSavvy.com and download a free investor's package. CashflowSavvy.com. You do not have a money problem, merely an idea problem. CashflowSavvy.com. More ideas, less worries. CashflowSavvy.com. On the phone, I'm joined by Los Angeles fix and flipper extraordinaire, Coco Kalajian. Coco, welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing. Hi, man. How are you? Good to be here. Fantastic. Glad to have you here. Hey, to, just to get started, um, why don't you just kind of share with us how you got started in real estate investing, a little bit about your background and how you, you came to be a, a real estate investor. Sure, absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny that I actually started out as a chiropractor, uh -huh. and uh, you probably don't even know that. No, I did not <laughs> so, know that. Uh -uh. Yeah, yeah. I was actually a chiropractor practiced for eight years, and um, that was fun and interesting while, while I was there. and. I got introduced to real estate sometime in 2004, haphazardly actually, and um, it was uh, during the boom of let's say 
Vegas and whatnot when those spec homes were taking off. And my father had actually thrown my name into the hat, so to speak, um, for building these spec homes out there. Next thing I know, I get a call from uh, KB Homes that um, I won a slot in their uh, in their raffle there. And uh, that's how we started. And um, started doing the spec homes out there and picked up three of them. And then also went out to Cape Coral, Florida, which turned out to be a great boom-bust cycle out there mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, picked up about uh, four of them out there. So um, it, was, it was interesting because those two markets at that point in time, 2004, 2005, they went up, I think, 48 and 49% respectively right. uh, year over year. So it was, it was absolutely nuts. And that's how I got interested into it. And I, I moved myself over to real estate um, officially, I would say, uh, 06, I think it was. And we started in lending to begin with. And we opened up a shop here in, uh, in Studio City. Um, and we opened up a lending firm and uh, did the lending thing for a while until the, the bust happened. And we felt that really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I think, in 2007. So everything came to a standstill. Uh, doors were being locked on lenders. Um, just remember, uh, our entire loan pipeline essentially just shut down mm-hmm. overnight, almost. So, And I remember it was July 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we were doing loans, and, and we, 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 we did a pivot again, and we moved into real estate. And obviously, distressed sales were uh, a large part of the market at that point in time. So... We started getting into that and slowly evolving into uh, uh, the short sales and so on and so forth. And we became a big short sale office um, doing our first ones. And I think um, 08 is when we started. Mm-hmm. And back then, you could do those back-to-back closings. So right. it's really, really interesting. Yeah, so Corey Boatwright, <laughs> I was a troll on his forum for a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. It's funny, but now I get, I get to see him in, in some of these mastermind events, and it's actually rub shoulders with, with guys like that, guys like you. Um, and that's where we started doing a lot of short sales, a lot of doing the fix and flip stuff. Um, we back-to-back closings that eventually dried up because the title companies kept uh, kept changing the uh, uh, the requirements. And, and finally, you had to actually you know, close on a property, take possession, and then, of course, resell it. Right. So and that's what ended up happening. We ended up doing a lot of the fix and flips, and we've been doing that for... Uh, for the last, I think, for like six years at this point, and we started getting to high-end short sales uh, in the higher end of the market. And uh, here in California, obviously, there's a ton of those. And I started doing uh, started doing that for a minute, and then now I started doing some uh, high-end custom home building. So we've got some of those in Studio City, Sherman Oaks happening, mm-hmm. some big monster projects, 4,000, 4,500 square foot homes. So. Um, that's been the gist of it, pretty much. You know, it's just been a slow, uh, but uh, hopefully planned out, <laughs> methodical adventure moving forward in, in the market. You know, right, right. So you've you've really you've been through it all. I mean, you went through the you went through it on the uh, the investment side with you said Las Vegas and Cape Coral. Yep. Yeah, those two places got destroyed, <laughs> and then and then the lending <laughs> environment got destroyed. So you really like you really got hit hard when when the the bust happened. Well, I mean, first of all, why did you choose to try it again, and, and how did you you know pick yourself back up and, and get started again? Um, you know, when the the lending crashed in '06, it was just a wake up call. It was like, okay, well, this was too easy for too long. Mm-hmm. We knew that, 
and you know we were going mean, the guys were running three point negam option arms you know and then doing two of those a month and taking off golfing for the rest of the month. You know what I'm saying? That's right. what they were doing. So, you know, three points on 500,000, you know, and, and, and that was it. So it was just too easy, and it had to come down. The hammer had to come down, and eventually did, obviously. But um, there was there was just a lot of opportunity. We, we saw the opportunity. Um, we always wanted to get into that side of the real estate business, but we didn't know anything about it, you know, Um I mean, I don't tell this to many people, but I'll tell you. You always you. want to get into what side of the, the real estate business? The, the rehab business. The rehab the business, business. The business. Got, it. got it. Yeah, the design element of that, that really um, uh, piqued, uh, piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. You know, basically designing those homes and um, uh, bringing something on the market that was something that was tangible, it wasn't just paper, and you had you know some work and effort involved in it, and there was an end product. You know, so... Um, that was appealing to me. So that's where we looked into that part of it. And, and you know, just doing the paper shuffle, uh, it was good while it lasted, but we knew it couldn't last. It was just too easy to do back-to-back closings without participating in the transaction at all, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, what I was saying is that, you know, I don't, I don't tell this to many people, but I was trying to get, take a fast track into that part of the business, the rehab part of the business, and I got, I got um, taken for like 5000 bucks. Um, with one of the gurus, <laughs> you know, the, 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 uh, the old, old school gurus back in the day. And I thought I was, I could take a fast track to the investing world, you know, to try to, to try to learn it overnight. And, and that was, that was a big mistake. You know, I learned it through the, through the ropes, learning as I progressed, um, going to, uh, different types of events, meeting with people, rubbing shoulders, you know, and, and learning essentially how to do these transactions, looking online and trying to find my way. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we had to pick up and regroup and we did that. And I'd have to say the last, you know, five, six years have been awesome. Mm-hmm. I've been really awesome. You that's know, and I think it's enough. Now it's come to a pivot, I think slowly, but surely. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. You know, you, you're someone who's was immersed in the business from, from both sides and just before the bus, then the bus happened and you've recreated yourself. You've built your business back up and you're doing very well for yourself. So what are you doing this time around in preparation for potentially another bust? Obviously trying to limit our exposure and trying to hedge our bets. Mm-hmm. So we've, we're, we're trying to get these last project projects out the door right now. And once they're done, I think we're going to be holding off on that. Just watching the market. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the short term, most of our rehabs are done in about, a, excuse me, we're in and out of a property in 120 days. Mm-hmm. So that's what we'd like to keep it at four months. Um, and most of the time, our rehab essentially takes four to six weeks. And then in escrow, we, we try to get an escrow, obviously, in like less than 10 days. Um, we follow a couple different guys, their methods for listing it low, trying to get activity quickly, get into escrow immediately, mm-hmm. and then move forward. So um, that's what we're trying to do to limit our exposure. And we are taking our ARVs um, and scaling them back a little bit, you know, just knocking a little bit off of that just to be conservative, right. just to make sure that we're protected and we're not going to overdo a property. You know, what we do is we try to bring in – right now there's a, a real shortage of rehab homes on the market. And – uh, in California, like Southern California or California in general, has got a 40% decrease in flip sales this year. Mm. So it's a huge, huge amount right. of flips. 
that are gone from the market. And so what you have is a little bit of equity. Um, I think we just passed the threshold. We have less than 1 million underwater homes in California mm-hmm. uh, just recently. So with that said, now you've got a lot of people that are essentially underwater from 2007 on. Now they've got a little bit of equity. Now they're like, okay, let's get rid of our property. Let's move up. Let's do something. So you've got those people coming to market. I think that presents a lot of opportunities there because now you've got uh, possibilities to work with sellers as subject to deals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you know, or um, even working with them, trying to do a partnership of some sort. You know, So those we've already done a couple of those transactions uh, in the last six months, and those have worked out fantastic for us because you know, they can carry the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just put it into a trust. So there's a lot of different ways to organize those for it to be beneficial to both parties, and that's worked out. Super. So, Super. So, yeah. you know, short sales are, are, are definitely, um, they're not gone, but they're becoming a little bit fewer and further between. How are you finding most of your deals right now? I'd have to say that most of them are relationship-based. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been cultivated over the years with different, with different agents and so on and so forth. Um, but we do do some type of, some, a little bit of organic marketing as well. And um, we're essentially looking to partner up sometimes with a client, Not, you know, the traditional sale or even a short sale. Um, you know, sometimes we can help the client stay in the property for a little bit longer. Uh, we've used uh, legal channels to assist the client, um, sometimes in prolonging that foreclosure and so on and so forth. So we're using those to uh, essentially get prices down, grind the lender down a little bit and have them work with us because once a file goes into court, you know, they're, they're a lot more, um, let's say, uh, uh, easier to deal with than just dealing with the short sell negotiating team, you know, the back of the lender. So right. that's helped out tremendously as well. So, Got it. Got it. So let's see. Um, I know you work with, uh, with your wife, Gina. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the bigger challenges, I guess, with the, with the listeners here at this show, and I wouldn't even say the listeners of the show because I don't know all of them, but the, the ones that have communicated with me is the ones I see succeed are the ones that are on the same page with their spouse. And the ones that have challenges are ones that, you know, they find themselves being an entrepreneur in a non-entrepreneurial environment with their family and their friends and, and most importantly, their spouse. And so they struggle a little bit. Um, has it always been, you know, have you guys always been able to work together easily? Um. I think I'd be lying if I say you know, so, I was um, hoping you would, you you know, would be truthful about that. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we do, we do have a fantastic relationship, and of course, because we work hand-in-hand in the business, it puts us on the same page with a lot of our conversations, and essentially, we do have to be on the same page if we're, if we're moving towards the same goal. And, and, you know, she handles a different part of the business than I do, so that's nice because we all have our separate departments, and of course... Everything has to mesh together, so we have to have a lot of communication. And I think that's the key to our relationship is that we do have a lot of communication. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I know a lot of investors, they'll be doing one thing while their counterpart is doing something else. You know, maybe it's a, it's a, a, a you know, a nine-to-five type of job or what have you. So it's difficult to, to meet at the end of the day or the evening at dinner and essentially go over everything that, that transpired during your day. Because as you know, Matt, I mean, the the things that happen during our day sometimes are just, you know, crazy. Mind-blowing, you know, right. <laughs> from, yeah, 
from escrows to out-of-state investors to, you know, to title companies and issues. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. So, But being on the same page as far as the business is concerned, that, that does help us out. And we always have a commonality uh, because we're always trying to uh, strive towards the same goal. So, again, communication. I think that's the best thing for that. And if you are an investor, and, you know, I, I had the same, I mean, you've heard this a million times, but how many times have you heard parents, family, this, that, friends, you're crazy. That's not going to work. Right. You know, give it, give it up. Really? You're going to flip homes and make a lot of money? You know, you can't even buy a car with your credit, right? So all that stuff. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's not true. Totally. You know, it's not true because, unfortunately, those people can't see past the, the, the small obstacles that are in their way. And, um, you know, just getting past those couple hurdles that's going to put you over the edge. You know, rubbing shoulders with people that are in the business, I think, has been the number one most influential thing to my business. Mm -hmm. Seeing what people do and looking at the guy next to you or the lady across from you and saying, hey, you know what? This is what they're doing, and that's awesome, and they're doing it. They're not just saying it. They're doing it. And so I can do these things. It may not be as good as them day one, but I can do them, and I can learn. And next thing you know, you've got a deal falling in your lap, and you're like, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let's go to let's go to bat. So, right. Um, but got it. That's, that's uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, when I first, um, almost all of my original business was based off relationships, and not until mm -hmm. you know, I say the last several years have I been a little bit more intentional about creating it and doing the marketing and scaling and. And I found that the, the, the relationship business, although it's not the quickest way to build the business, it is the best way. Has that been your experience? You know, I, I would say it is It is one of the best ways because it, it continuously brings business to you, mm -hmm. you know, haphazardly when you don't expect it. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing and a bad thing because we do have a, I think we've got a pretty good sphere of influence and we try to stay connected with that sphere as best as we can. Um, and of course, we're two people, my wife and I, so then, you know, the sphere is, is larger. So uh, with that said, it is fantastic when those deals come through because it's family, it's friends, it's relationships, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's attorneys, it's agents that you work with and so on. And then that stuff just comes to you because they know that you practice good business. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, it can be a crutch sometimes because when that business is, does not come through the pipe, then, of course, you don't have an organic means to generate continuous business, which is a pitfall. So, um, and, and, and like you said, like we've been more um, aggressive in that realm as well, trying to uh, market. And right now we're, we're, we're branding, branding her brokerage as best as we can and pushing that as best as we can and making sure that we're, we're out there uh, touching even people that we don't know that are not in our sphere, just pushing that sphere out as far as we can so we can generate more organic business that comes to us. But, um, but marketing in itself, that's one of the things that I'd like to be an expert at and trying to strive for uh, different ways to produce good quality leads that come in through the, through the, uh, the marketing channels. Um, and that's one of the things that we're going to focus on, on 2015 is uh, direct-to-seller type of marketing, um, you know, be it like every door, every door delivery with, you know, use of U.S. Postal Service, um, uh, be it uh, farming specific areas, uh, postcards, to specific, specific um, mailing lists and so on and so forth. So, you know, a combination of those. But you're absolutely right. It does take a minute to actually get those 
relationships built and for them to produce business. But when that business comes in, I mean, it's rock solid. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to convince them. Right. You don't have to deal with, you know, them shopping you. Usually, I mean, it's not it's not the standard, but usually it's, it's hey, you know what, I've referred this person over to you, so what do you, you know, you got you to gotta, you gotta make sure you offer them great service, and then they'll come back again and again. So mm-hmm. um, that's what happens with family and friends that come to us. Right, right. So. You know, the, the, you said something that uh, sparked a question for me. You're getting ready to pick up your marketing in the in 2015 with some various sources that you you had mentioned various strategies are you guys looking at a difference between branded and versus non-branded marketing and try a little both or are you going more one, one way towards or the other you know that's a really good question and um, i've heard a lot of different schools of thought about that and i know that people test those ideas out and i think that's a great idea you definitely have to test it out um, I'm looking at it from a brokerage model, you know, and it depends on, you know, sometimes the individual investor doesn't have a relationship with a brokerage or whatnot, but sometimes it does pay to have those types of relationships, synergistic relationships with, let's say, a brokerage that can, because, because a brokerage can get into a home quicker than sometimes an investor can. And some people will tell me different. They'll say, oh, well, you know what, a lot of people don't want to deal with agents. Um, but it depends on what you're what you're pitching, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to get your foot in the door. I mean, because what all we're trying to do is have a conversation. If we can have a conversation with a potential seller, then there's a possibility that we can make something happen. Mm-hmm. It may not even be fruitful for us. It may just be a referral, but that referral will maybe pay off later down the line or so on and so forth. But just having conversations, if I can have 10 conversations with 10 different sellers, then I might be able to close one or two of them. But if I can't get in the door to have those conversations, then there's going to be no business. So sometimes we will market branded through the brokerage uh, to 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 basically show you know a couple different uh, options. You're mm-hmm. you're wanting to sell. Okay, great. Well, if you want to sell, and you want to be like um, you know, if you want to want to put your property up on the market just like uh, everybody else is doing, then fantastic. You can definitely go that route, and we have a brokerage to do that. But if you want to cash off or you want to quick close or your circumstances are a little, a little different, then by all means, we can get that offer as well. And again, this is coming from a brokerage. Mm-hmm. And we can reduce our commissions and so on and so forth. But again, it's it's opening the door, cracking cracking that door so we can get a conversation out with them. You know, one of the, the, the pitches right now is uh, in order to work with more clients, we will renovate the property at our expense, right? Mm-hmm. Record a lien on it. And then when the property is sold through the brokerage, the seller gets all the benefit of the additional revenue on the sale. Got it. So it works hand in hand with, again, we talked about earlier, with some people that have a little bit of equity, but in, in the Southern Cal area, you've got a lot of older homes, right? 1920, 1930 builds. So a lot of folks have not renovated their homes. So you've got a lot of older, you know, uh, deferred maintenance happening. Mm-hmm. So for those people, if we come in and say, hey, you know what, let's do a... Uh, $80,000 rehab, but guess what? You don't have to pay a dollar. We'll handle all the expense. And then instead of selling your property for five hundred, dollars you'll be able to sell it for six fifty. dollars So you're going to put an additional forty dollars or $50,000 in your pocket. Mm. So what will happen is we'll work in concert with the seller. We're, of course, there's a uh, profit margin on the, on the rehab portion. And of course, we're getting the listing too. But at the end of the day, the consumer is selling their property 
for a higher number and walking away a very happy camper, hopefully. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. those are one of the marketing strategies that we're we're looking into right now and actually producing the material for as we speak. Right. So I like it. I like but it. That's, yeah, that comes from the brokerage, though. You know, but then there's unbranded stuff like you talked about. I want to buy your house, right? Mm-hmm. So. With the, the go back to your strategy, just to play devil's advocate here. I mean, I like the strategy, but and then you protect yourself by recording a lien on the property for obviously the uh, the amount you put into rehab and probably your markup there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Is there what happens if the if the seller decides they don't want to sell after you've done the rehab? Absolutely. That's it's a great question, and and that's bound to happen and um, what, I, what what traditionally we'd like to do is put the property into a trust mm-hmm. and if we as long as we do that as long as they're understandable about that you know we can be listed both as beneficiaries or essentially we can just uh, take the property subject to uh, we can there's a lot of things that we can a lot of language that we can incorporate into that trust mm-hmm. where it has to be sold and uh, uh, you know it has to be priced at this number and reduced after this many days and so on and so forth so it can be all guided in the trust and then the trustee will just carry out those directions so we can definitely do it that way another way we could do is also get a power of attorney for this specific property only um, and with that said we again can have power of attorney to sign a listing agreement to sign documents etc etc it's a revocable power of attorney i should clear that right so um if we're able to do that that would hopefully prevent a lot of those issues from happening but you know you're 100 percent right Sellers will change their mind because once you rehab their home and they're like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, this is nice. I want to stay. <laughs> right? Right? Totally. So, oh, cool. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Super. So, so you so, mentioned, we'll um, you know, that, that uh, you know, there's definitely a shift happening. You're, you're noticing the market conditions changing here in Southern California. And I think it's pretty much across the nation people are noticing changes in their market. And the lessons that you've learned from the first time around, you're, you're limiting your exposure. And then you've, I know you've got a few properties on the market right now that there are a few projects that you just finished. And then you were saying you're going to pull back a little bit after after you you uh, execute these exit strategies. What's uh What are your thoughts on that about the about that strategy or about the future? Uh, about what we should what we be doing? Yeah. Well, you you'd said that you're going to uh, pull back a little bit after you sell these current projects that you have on the market right now. Right. Right. Um, as far as building, I'm definitely. I think we're going to retreat as far as building some new projects on because with with, uh, with new ground up construction, uh, the process can take you know anywhere from a year to a year and a half to get it to market, and that's problematic because obviously you know my crystal ball doesn't work. I don't know how yours is functioning these days, but um, you know a year and a half from now, I don't know where we'll be at. So um, that's problematic, and so with new construction, we're going to scale back and wait to see what happens. Um, there's definitely still value. Uh, there's a value add um, when you add square footage to a property. You know, especially if the price per square foot in the area is anywhere from, you know, three fifty, four hundred up. You know, uh, in the San Fernando Valley, a lot of those prices are in that range. Um, and sometimes, you know, we moved that San Diego. We just finished the San Diego property that we just um, unloaded, closed escrow this week. And we've got a property in, in uh, Rancho Cucamonga that we're closing tomorrow on. So these these properties, uh, as far as price per square foot, you know, we can do a a rehab, um, you know, at about twenty five dollars a square foot mm-hmm. on that type of property, and sometimes much less. So 
if we can do that rehab and keep it that low, or if we can add square footage, if we can add 500 square feet to a property at roughly $80, $85 a square foot, but then we're making 350 on it, there's, there's, there's a good value add right there. Mm-hmm. So those are the projects that we'll actually look into and consider more. And with those, I think we're insulated to a certain degree because we're not banking on appreciation to make that deal happen, which is always a, it's too risky. Right. You know, we, we, we want to stick to our numbers. We we're going to buy at 80, 80, 80% or below of ARV minus our repairs. And we're going to stick to those figures. Um, and we're going to look at those comps. Like when I look at comps, I look at comps, <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. see like, okay, what's that bathroom look like? What's this look like? And, and because right now there's not a lot of rehab homes on the market, I feel like if you put out a superior product, there are still buyers available. The pool is smaller, you know, but there's still buyers available. And, you know, Fannie and Freddie just announced a three, 3% down payment program for next year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, instead of three and a half, not a huge deal, but still 3%. Um, Makes a big difference in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and the rates are going to be still lower for next year. The Fed has come up and said that. So it just depends on where the, the market is because if rates stay, stay you know, competitive like this and there's not too much competition as far as rehab homes, then if you do have good inventory that you're able to pick up and you do a good clean rehab, you should be able to still sell it at your top of your market and still make a, a decent profit because there's not too much competition. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's what we're going to try to do is just little here, little ones here, little ones there, and just insulate ourselves from uh, – banking on appreciation to make the deal happen. So Got it. Super. So what do you, what do you see yeah. as your, your biggest challenge for 2015? Um, to find inventory. Finding That's going to be it. Finding yeah, the deal, I right? think to find inventory. Yep. Finding the deal. Finding the deal. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of deals before, and it was just you had to race to get to them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just competing with a lot of offers, a lot of people, a lot of investors. Um and so on and so forth. But now it's basically finding the deal. So now what's going to happen, I think, is, I mean, again, 40% less flips this year already. Right. So a lot of folks have left the market. And um, you're going to have to be good at finding the deal. So what we're going to try and do is become experts as far as marketing is concerned. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where maybe uh, the brokerage model will help more. Um, maybe direct-to-seller marketing is going to help more with, with, a, with a, a unique selling proposition, you know, your USB, something mm-hmm. that's different, something that's unique, um, to help them sell, help them get more money out of their project or property, excuse me, and so on and so forth. So that's going to be the thing that we're focusing on and to try to get deals that way. And again, maybe subject to, mm-hmm. you know, trying to structure those, especially some of these folks that are obviously you've got a huge a 65 and over population that's retirement ready. So a lot of paid off houses, a lot of um, retirees that have two story homes that no longer can climb those stairs. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, I've got, I've got uh, family members like that, you know, paid off home. It, sooner or later, they cannot climb those stairs and it's going to be detrimental to their health. So they're going to have to sell that property. Well, you know, that the, the, the that's a, that's a small, it's a small niche, but it's, it's there, right. you know, finding those properties. Right. So, no, I mean, just, um, you know, you got to start, you have to start thinking a little bit now and, and how you're going to find the deal and where that likely the distress is going to come from. Right. 
Yep. Find the pain, solve the pain, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> the news says if it bleeds, it leads. You know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. On, on the other side, what what are you most optimistic about for 2015? What are you most excited about for your business? I'm most excited about for business. Um, well, I like the I like the um, the model, the brokerage model, where that's going. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, that model that we're trying to pitch right now, uh, the renovation type of model. I think that's it's. There's something there. You know, we're going to hammer out a lot of details and, and, and do some more deals. And we've done a couple already this year, so we're going to hopefully get some more deals under our belt. Uh, launch that marketing, which I am excited about. I think it's it's dif- it's different. It's new, and um, I don't think a lot of people have seen it. So they're like, okay, that's interesting. You know, this might work out, and it's a win-win. As long as it's a win-win for most of those, I'm just not taking advantage of people. And that seems to be the key element. You know, are we really providing something of value? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've got our resources because what we're doing is taking a look at what resources do we have and how do we exploit those resources? Well, you know, we've got obviously a construction background. We've got obviously a design background. You know, can we put these things together and make a house, you know, a true designer home and so on and so forth to move on the market quickly, to be sold quickly? Because when buyers are looking at the market and they see Home Depot flip, Home Depot, <laughs> Home Depot flip, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, come on, guys. I mean, let's let's get a little, a little original as far as what we're using, the materials and, and items that we're using. Sometimes it's just as it's as simple as you know, using a, a four dollar tile versus a two dollar, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that that's not much, you know, on on a, on a couple hundred square feet. It's not much, but it makes all the difference. You know, so that product that we're putting out makes all the difference. So um, focusing on the design aspects of our business and focusing on that part of that marketing, I'm excited for that. I think that's going to be different. It's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. And hopefully it'll be win-win for everyone. And, and we'll tackle Southern California by storm. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. See what happens. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm here cheering you on, Coco. Thank you, sir. You Thank bet. you. You know, one of the things that I, I've just never really expected from producing this show was the amazing connections I've been able to make between people, between my guests and my audience. And, and we've talked about a lot of stuff here today on, on different subjects, and I'm sure it's, it's sparked the interest of, of various listeners in various ways. If someone wanted to get in contact with you, Coco, how, what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. I'll give you my office number. Um, we're here in the Valley, in the San Fernando Valley. We're in Woodland Hills and Sherman Oaks. Um, my number is 818 818- Two nine zero eight three 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 again eight one eight two nine zero eight three three three. Definitely, if anybody wants to reach out, need something, um, I'm here. I'm available. Any friend of yours, a friend of mine, Matt. Super, so. super. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, thanks for joining me on my last episode of 2014. We're getting ready to go into 2015, and maybe we'll check back in uh, mid-year and, and see how it's going. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Love your show. And um, best of luck to everybody out there for 2015. Awesome. Thanks, partner. Have a good one. Take care. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Coco Collegian, 818-290-8333. Attention. Attention. Shocking website reveals that shocking websites aren't really that shocking. 
All kidding aside, go to findmotivatedsellersasap.com to get the inside scoop on how the nation's most successful real estate investors really find their deeply discounted properties. Go to findmotivatedsellersasap.com. Deeper discounts, less secrets. Findmotivatedsellersasap.com. Have a safe and happy new year. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio.